welcome back to Cracking Foundation, a show about the TV show Foundation that's, according to some people, paid for by Apple Plus and David Esquire. <laughs> why aren't Lynn's I... hoarding all the paychecks. I'm not seeing any of that money. Why aren't I rich? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Lynn. I'm from the YouTube channel Much Ado About Nerd Things. And I have here with me my co-host, Eric, from the Unapologetic Geek. That's right. I will not be apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> for anything i've done nothing wrong in my life so we're here to talk foundation which as you know eric is coming to an end very soon no <laughs> just one more episode after this one but we've decided that we mentioned this slightly at the end of our last episode we felt decided that we are enjoying this podcasting life podcasting experience and i just love rolling in all this money <laughs> in case you don't know you're we're kidding uh, we make <laughs> zero money from this <laughs> i have made exactly zero cents off of this podcast <laughs> but we want to keep this going because yeah, it's fun yeah and we want to keep talking about TV shows. And uh, we are going to pivot after the next episode into a general streaming TV show slash movie podcast. And our intention is to, like we've recently been doing in our preamble, some recommendations about shows we've been watching, like just general spoiler-free thoughts and reviews. But we also want to keep this after-show format. I think our strength is talking about TV shows in depth. So the majority of the episodes will be in-depth discussions, like a book club, right? Right, like a book club for TV. Yes, particular TV shows. And the first thing we'll be tackling is Cowboy Bebop. Because, Which we've mentioned several times, yeah. Yeah, because we're both looking forward to it a lot. So I think we're going to cover Cowboy Bebop over two episodes. So just a little bit of warning about the future of the things. And I hope a lot of you guys who's enjoying us talking about Foundation will come with us on this journey as we try and evolve our show and we try to keep this good thing going. Yeah, and hopefully you have all 59 streaming services that we'll be covering because, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you guys are lo looking forward to and is planning to watch Cowboy Bebop as well. And if you're not, you should. <laughs> yeah, I feel I like there should be a lot of crossover between Cowboy Bebop and Foundation fans. Yeah. Especially the ones of our age. Yeah. yeah. And hey, you can tune in and check it out even if you don't initially plan to watch it and then see if you like what you hear from us. Yeah, I really, I'm really curious what our banter sounds like if you haven't actually watched the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got feedback from a few people who actually apparently listened to us first before they watched the show, which uh, I think that's a crazy thing, but excellent. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just a little heads up. Hopefully you guys uh, will enjoy where we're going to be going next. Yeah, and let us know what you think on, on social media. We've been getting a lot of really good feedback from social media. Speaking right. of which, we got a couple of nice social media feedback slash reviews. Eric, you want to thank some of our regular listeners? On Twitter, I just wanted to mention once again, Chris Hardy. He's been doing a great job. On Reddit, we've got Super Dale Cooper, who said that our podcast is hilarious and he can't look at Hugo without thinking Space Australian. <laughs> <laughs> and then also we've got, I'm going to say Xerxes, Xerxes <laughs> one. He says, I really enjoy the podcast. It's funny and good humor. Thank you, Xerxes. That's Thank you not a much. sentence I thought I would say. <laughs> thanks, everyone. And thanks to Terramon and Sweetwind7, who are clearly regular listeners now. Thanks for checking in and, and taking part of our discussions every week. And thanks to WrestlePig and I Like My Coffee Hot, who left very nice comments. And to Surgical Apple, who asked us, when does the next episode drop? Now! You're listening to it. It's right now. 
<laughs> oh, and also thanks to whoever's giving us anonymous Reddit awards on all our Reddit posts. <laughs> I don't even know what those are. Add <laughs> little icons to our posts. Thank you, I guess. <laughs> so to drastically change gear, you had a little rant last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I told a bunch of people to fuck off. And we, some people must have taken exception to that. I'm weird. <laughs> we made it onto a hate subreddit. <laughs> Which means we made it. <laughs> it genuinely made me happy that <laughs> What does that say about me? Am I deeply broken? <laughs> <laughs> no, it made me happy too. <laughs> Because Lynn sent it to me and I read it with a big smile on my face. <laughs> also, we found out about it because a fan sent it to us. So I guess we're doing some stuff, right? <laughs> it's a tiny little hate subreddit. Uh, we're not going to mention the username or the subreddit name. But if you find it or if you accidentally stumble on it, please don't harass people on our behalf. Don't spread that. That's just bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I know there's only a couple of hundreds of you right now. Wherever this thing may be going, that's not the kind of community we want to start. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my whole rant was about not being toxic on the internet. So don't be toxic on the internet to defend me, please. <laughs> my favorite thing about this little hate post is that uh, that we must be getting paid. I really where is the money, Lynn? Are you hiding it? <laughs> I really thought we would need to get a lot more listeners before people start making suspicious <laughs> theories about us. But apparently that's not the case because the internet is deeply broken. <laughs> it tickles me so much because last episode I went on such a big rant about how the whole Raven story arc is <laughs> like <laughs> such bullshit and badly written. Can you imagine Disney Plus and David Esquire paying us to make fun of him every two episodes for writing Batman vs. Superman? <laughs> hey, full disclosure, Disney has paid me in the past. I worked for Walt Disney World when I was a wee lad. <laughs> <laughs> if you worked for Disney World, then they didn't pay you that much. <laughs> No, no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, hold on. I, I see the sniper sights on my head right now. Okay, I mean, Disney is wonderful and I love Disney. You know, it's a Disney sniper site because it's got one big red dot and two little red dots on top of it. <laughs> I did just want to say in this Reddit person's hate rant, they were basically saying that I was bitching about them because they wanted to express their disappointment about the show on the Internet. If you listen carefully to what I was saying, that's not what I was saying at all, actually. <laughs> Man, wild. Even the replies to this hate post, are people are like, why would you hate listen to podcasts? <laughs> You're going to listen to a podcast echo... that you hate about a show that you hate. <laughs> yeah. Even in really? this little echo chamber, I find that hilarious. You um, could just self-flagellate like everybody else. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we all have our own little self-hating rituals, I guess. <laughs> Mine's like drinking a lot. <laughs> Yes, Lynn is once again hung over, just for the record. <laughs> not that you can tell. Uh, my energy's not flagging at Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this is my podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now to change gear. Did you watch anything off note this week? Not really. I was uh, I was kind of procrastinating. Um, I did play a lot of Kingdoms of Amalur on PS4 because it was on, <laughs> it was free. So that's what I've been doing all week. I haven't really done anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I want to watch the new Bond. Eh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It was better than the last one, and it's definitely better than Quantum of Solace. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. At some point, I'm like, are we supposed to like Bond? <laughs> I'm not sure. No, he's a psychopath, and he's always been a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, 
Everybody says Sean Connery's the best one. He's the one who hits the most women. <laughs> but like, I don't know if the movie knows that because every once in a while they're like, oh, poor Bond. I'm like, mm, really? No. He did this to himself <laughs> with his series of bad decisions. <laughs> He's a bad man and he yeah. kills people remorselessly. <laughs> don't be like James Bond. I'm fine with that. I just want him to get out of his own way. Make better decisions about your life, damn it. I'm not going to get into it because it will be spoilers. But Yeah, I'm we can't spoil the movie. Worth watching, I guess. It's apparently Daniel Craig's last one. So worth having a watch. I do kind of hope that they take a break for a while. Give it a few years before you start with a new Bond. I kind of hope they do. Well, how many years is a few? Because they said they will choose the next Bond next year. So with shooting and stuff, we could be seeing a new Bond 2023-2024. I think that's too soon. It depends. Yeah. Like if they get if they get somebody that people are really, really excited about and it's somebody who's a little older, then sure, you should do it immediately. Like if they get Idris Elba, who's already too old, but if they do it anyway, they should do, they should put that movie out as quickly as possible before he gets way too old. Give it to Chris Pratt, since he seemed to be getting all the roles anyway. <laughs> he is everything. <laughs> <laughs> he can be Mario Garfield and James Bond. Right, right. They can have a with, big with Raptors. <laughs> yeah, they can have a big Chris Pratt crossover, and he'll be in the MCU. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough, Dilly Dilly. Let's get to what we're here to do. We're here for Storyteller Lynn, of course. Yes. <laughs> oh, don't worry. If when we change the podcast, we're keeping Storyteller Lynn. He's he's obligated to do this now. He can't do anything else. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to pivot and I'm going to have to figure out a way to do storytelling for like four or five episodes at once in each uh, podcast. I look forward to his slow descent into madness. Yes. <laughs> All right, here we go. In this episode of Saints in Space, <laughs> on Trento, Brother Don is simping hard for the gardener, but their plan to run away together had to be brought forward when Dusk revealed he knows about Dawn being different with the passive-aggressive magic eye mural. <laughs> After a not-so-perilous journey, Dawn meets up with Azura, but their too-good-to-be-true romance turned out to be neither good nor true. <laughs> Turn out she's in love with the secret clone of this clone, and the whole thing has been a long secret plan to replace Dawn in the genetic dynasty. After monologuing and stealing his magic blood, they were ready to execute Dawn, but thankfully, Daddy Dusk has been spying and was there to send in a commando squad to take out the insane clone posse in the nick of time. <laughs> Everyone get killed, and Azura get black back, and Galactic Empire Daddy Day will be back to judge the whole thing next week on Game of Clones. <laughs> <laughs> ah, storyteller Lin. I love you so. <laughs> Dear listener, at this point, I ask you to join me in a solemn memorial for one Louis Pyrene. Good night, sweet prince. We hardly knew ye. And the few moments we spent together was in annoyance at your almost impressively willful incompetence. But in your I refuse to believe it. He's not dead. <laughs> you have wires coming out of face. <laughs> you can survive that. <laughs> but in your death, Louis. You made the ultimate sacrifice to be a single-use interstellar bus bus. <laughs> Goodbye, and sorry you missed the second coming of your personal Jesus by a few hours. <laughs> that must sucks for him. Looking down from heaven going, oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> He's in hell. He's definitely in hell. <laughs> anyway, the Invictus walked to Terminus 
and everyone but Selvo was conveniently knocked out. Reuniting on the bagger, Selvo and Hugo hatch a plan to split up and secure both the Invictus and Terminus. On Terminus, everyone has been knocked out by the Vault for what seems to be a long time? Good luck continuing the Foundation with a bunch of people who have brain damage now, I guess. <laughs> Selvo shut down the vault by opening it with the power of metamagic and visions. What follows was a series of dark Mexican standoffs between Anacreons and Thespins and Termini. Anyway, Selvo out Katniss, Anacreon Katniss, with an arrow through the throat. <laughs> Another problem is solved forever. And Harry.EAC must be a malware because it's spreading like crazy. <laughs> and the episode <laughs> ends with a very smug Harry Seldon coming out of the vault to address the masses. That sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Before we get into it, I want to tease that I have a pretty big Gale theory that I will mention at the end. Remind me if I forget, because Gale doesn't show up at all in this episode. And it doesn't relate to anything in this episode, but I have a pretty big theory about Gil at the end. Well, I have a pretty big conversation about her voiceovers in this episode, which I was saving to the end. So after that, you can tell me your theory about Gail. Okay. Do you want to talk about the little flashback moment in the beginning with Selva and Hadid? Yes. First of all, I loved it because we got to see Clark Peters again. He's he's awesome. Um, That's uh, the, the actor who plays Abbas, her father. Um. And it's the first time we ever hear the word Earth said in Foundation. That's true. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? I hate it whenever people are like, oh, we forgot where we came from. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you even talking about, man? Like, I, I get it. Like, history get lost. and then, But that usually happens when your population gets so low, you essentially have to go through, like, a near extinction phase for you to forget <laughs> something big, like where you come from. Nobody in the world has ever forgot what's the place of origin. <laughs> There's a admittedly stupid explanation for it in one of the robot books, but I'm not going to spoil it because it's the last robot book chronologically. Fair enough. <laughs> but there was a, the other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, Abbas, he says something like past behavior is the best predictor of future performance, which is really that's foundation in a nutshell. So when people say that this show isn't true to Asimov, this is proof that that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're trying. Like, I get if you want to complain that they fall short in some points, yes. But I do hate it when people are like, this isn't foundation. Uh, it, it, it mostly is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but what do you think about this quote? It has come up before and it come up again. Violence is the last refuge of the incompetence. Yeah, um, and that's like we were talking about. That's Salver Begins. That's, that's going to be her mantra going forward, I think. Though so she did kill a man with a trident this episode. Sorry, a woman with a bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but maybe she'll get more competent later. <laughs> a lot of people have been using this quote to insult whenever the show has action scenes. It's like, well, I guess violence is the last refuge of the incompetence. I'm like, the show doesn't even have that many action scenes. <laughs> and also, you also, need some. <laughs> there's also a lot of violence in the book, too. So come on. <laughs> But I do have to say, I hate the general message of that quote. And I guess this is going to get slightly political. But 
<laughs> but I feel like that kind of sentiment is used by people in power because obviously people in power have legitimate use of force. And then this kind of sentiment is used to say you have to do everything through the system. Violence is, you know, not part of the system. Except violence is inherent in the system, like Monty Python says. <laughs> Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm an American and I'm a revolutionary. I think violence is necessary. The tree of liberty is fertilized by the blood of patriots and all that, you know. Isn't it blood of tyrants, man? You should have uh, yeah, the blood patriots. of tyrants. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I got my Jefferson quote wrong. Are you coming after my NFL team, the Patriots? Uh, no, like we we can talk politics, but let's not talk about NFL. <laughs> Yeah, especially right now. I It just kind of annoys me. Like, I get it. I get the sentiment. And this show is definitely about using logic to solve your problem. At the same time, you can't overthrow things like the Empire without the use of violence. No, and Asimov, actually, this isn't really a spoiler. He talks about it later in the Foundation series because this is the mantra for Salvor Hardin, but there's characters that follow after Salvor Hardin. So, I mean, there's an evolution of the ideals of, yeah. of the books. Yeah. And I think the show is kind of charting the same course. Yeah. And storytelling-wise, what sometimes get annoying is when you have that kind of philosophy, you essentially keep having to come up with excuse to justify the violence or the violence get done by other people. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah. like every Disney villain's falling to their death. Even like without the main character having to kill them, that kind of. Of course, yeah, it's like a trope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shall we go to Trantor? Yeah, let's do Trantor first. So I wanted to talk about what we got right and what we got wrong because we got a lot right. We called a lot of this. This is a vindication episode. Vindicated. We we were right about Azura. A lot of people probably called it, though. Yeah, but we were right to be suspicious, definitely. And we were right that there was some kind of conspiracy going on. Yep. Yeah. Although, to the extent the <laughs> conspiracy went, that was a yeah, big surprise. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't know it was going to be that convoluted. We did not <laughs> expect to see a different brother Dawn and all that stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we we did say that Dusk knew a lot more than he was letting on. That he probably knew everything that was going on. Yep. And uh, we we were vindicated in saying that the showrunners don't know how colorblindness works. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll rant about that in a little bit. Okay. I figured you would. <laughs> Actually, let's start there. Let's start. Go with, ahead. Do it. Let's start with <laughs> Dust Plan. Let's start about how he know and everything. The mural scene in the beginning annoyed me for two reasons. One, I judged it too prematurely. I hate it when it shows when people hint at each other that they know something instead of actually saying it. In like shows like Game of Thrones, it makes sense. And when this subtle politicking where you don't straight out come out and admit something you let the other person know you know something but there's no reason to do that in this situation the brothers don't have any reason to hide anything from anyone they at the top right right he, he could have just straight up come out and said that i i know about your thing but my annoyance was solved later because it turns out that dusk is playing dawn he's just right. try, he's annoying him he's trying to scare him into running away so he can figure out this plot that azura has so and i think it goes even deeper than that i think he wants him to run away early so yes. the, the conspirators are caught on the wrong foot yes definitely yeah. uh, so let that be a lesson to you learn from my mistake Sometimes you watch a scene and you're like, this is bad. And then later it gets justified. Okay. But one thing I will not forgive them though, this colorblindness thing. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like in the writing phase, like from the screenplay point of view, it's actually very clever and I really like it. But the yes. way they executed it is just 
No, yeah. even I know that's not how colorblindness works. You can see the inspiration. You can see how this idea developed, right? They know yeah. about how those colorblindness the tests colorblind work. tests, yeah. Right. But those work because they are only using a handful of little color cycles that people who aren't colorblind can see that roughly form the shape of a letter or a number. But people who are colorblind, because it's blending in. With the other colors, cannot see the shape. It's not that we can't see the circles; just our mind can't form the shape because there's too few and they're too blended in for us to make the connection. But this is just a picture; <laughs> like <laughs> the colors aren't invisible to us. God damn it! <laughs> it doesn't completely blend into the background so uh, so much so that unless you put your magic colorblind fixing <laughs> thing on. You can't see these, it at all. These were in the foreground too. They were like overlapping the other pictures. So yeah. what they became completely invisible. You wouldn't <laughs> just see the picture of the bird. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, are they going to wipe that mural after, or is it is there going to be an inexplicable six bird entry on the mural of souls? <laughs> I know. They're just going to replace it with them. Killing Brother Dawn. <laughs> right. Well, he could paint it over with Day's, like, uh, walk down the spiral or something. I'm sure yeah. he could find something. Yeah. Well, I do wonder if Shadow Master Obrecht is standing in the background cloaked in, like, almost every scene <laughs> between, <laughs> between Dawn and, and Azura. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> and maybe even illegal. <laughs> he works for Empire. What's that? <laughs> While we're on the subject of Obrecht, I did rewatch the very first episode, and Shadowmaster Obrecht is in the very first episode, and he hasn't aged at all. Like, he's no younger. Really? And that's weird. Yeah, he's oh. the one who shoots the guy who's like cleaning the mural. Remember, and he and and Day confronts him about having a text from Selden, and then Shadow Master Obrecht comes out of the shadows and makes him explode. Oh, he can't be another robot, right? Maybe he's a clone as well. Yeah, maybe he's another clone. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe he's just got really, really good genes, and his grandson looks just like him or something. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he's a Winter Soldier type thing. They freeze him, and when they, when they don't need him, looks like they need him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But enough about Brother Dawn. How about we talk about Other Dawn? Oh, yes. Other Dawn. Man, that came out of nowhere. Uh, totally. <laughs> I did not see that Decades coming. long plot. That got solved really quickly as well. <laughs> 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 they dropped this bomb on us, and 10 minutes later, they're like, and they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that actually kind of feels like the book. Because in the books, there are some conspiracies that just come out of nowhere and are resolved almost instantly. It happens a lot. I <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed both aspects of it. I enjoyed the fact that they like, oh yeah, this is a grand universe. You know, like there's like big fucking conspiracy plots happening in the background. Yeah. And also it's gone now. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Except I think we do still have to worry about it a little. Do you have any theories about how they've changed Dawn? Uh, so they, they have access to two things they shouldn't have, right? They somehow smuggled out Cleon the first uh, genetic material, genetic material right. to make their own clone. 
And then somehow they were used, they were able to use magnetic nanoparticle transfection to change Brother Day after he was born, or Brother Dawn. Yes, that means they must have more of an insight man slash person, because certainly the gardener didn't do that. <laughs> I'm saying Demerzel is in on this plot. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I actually agree. I think Demerzel is doing a lot of shady stuff we don't know about yet. Yes, I don't know if she's masterminding this. I don't know if she is on board with every aspect of this plan. I don't know if she know about the other Dawn or the replacement procedure, but I think the tampering of the Dawn that they mentioned with magic, uh, magnetic transfusion or whatever, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's definitely Damrazel. So I think I... Damrazel's in on it to some degree. I don't think she's the mastermind of the plot, but I think she goes along with it. She's got a lot of balls up in the air. I really think she's doing a lot of things we don't know about. And it'll slowly learn more and more about her as the show goes on. I think we'll learn next episode. Because remember, Dusk was like, I want a total memory audit of all the dead. So if any of them met Damrazel, we will find out next episode, I imagine. That would be a a good way to to hook us into the next season. Yeah. Can I drop my big theory about Damrazel here, right? Sure, go for it. And I will try not to spoil anything from the books. (laughs) So... The, the thing with Damazel right now is the three laws, right? Like a lot of people are talking about the three laws of robotic and how she's clearly not bound by them because she've, we've seen them kill two people. Okay, sorry. I got to interrupt you because this is a pet peeve of mine. People keep bringing this up and this is bullshit. This is just wrong. <laughs> if you've read the robot books, at a certain point, they come yeah, up yeah. with this thing called the Zeroth Law. We've talked about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Demersault is acting under the zeroth law. And so no, I agree. That's why. And I agree. When I say uh, robots can't kill people because of the three law, I'm not counting zero law as part of the three law, right? Zero law is what they come up with to bypass the three laws. Right. But what I'm saying is here, I think they change the parameter of the three laws to say empire. Instead of saying you must not harm a human being or allow a human being to come to harm through inaction, I think the law now say you must not harm empire or through inaction, allow empire to come to harm. I think that's what the programmers are doing in that clear one flashback. I know in the books, you can't change the three laws. Now here, you can change it, maybe. Whatever, I don't mind that. No, me uh, neither. Honestly, as even as an Asimov purist, I don't really care if they change that. And also, here's the thing. I think they already know about the zero law. Because if there was a robot war, if there was actual conflict with the robots, the robots must have already mastered zero law. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a war. It would just be a factory recall. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a French war, you know? Yes. And I, and I think this change is for them to preempt the zero law because the zero law that we're mentioning is... Sorry, do you want to explain the zero law? I don't remember the exact wording, but basically it's they have to do everything they can to help humanity as a whole. Exactly. Um, right. It's, so it's a little bit more complex, but part of the change is the differentiation between human and humanity, right? It's essentially like the paradox of utilitarianism. And in the books, it's a very hard concept for the few robots who get there. It's only robots who've lived for a really long time who can even come up with the idea of the zeroth law and even like comprehend it. Yeah, I think their plan to bypass zero law is that the reason why the three empires are called empires. Like, I think they are logically making sure you can't be differentiated between empire 
and the people, the emperors. Cleon is the empire and the empire is the Cleon. So you can't betray the Cleons and harm them or allow them to come to harm for the sake of the empire. But I think what Demrazel is doing is changing the empire for the empire, right? She's not harming right. it. She's, she's finding a loophole. Yeah. yeah. So that's my big theory. Like she's, she's altering empire to benefit empire. So I have a feeling if there is a plot to kill any of the empire, she can't get directly involved. At least not yet without any other plot developments. I mean, it's a good theory. It's a solid theory. And you can even find evidence of it earlier in the season where she, you know, does everything to get Brother Dusk out of the scar. You know, um, that seems like some kind of programming overriding her desire to do his will. Yeah. Um, but I also want to prepare some people who might be very upset by even the idea of this. But the three laws might not be a thing in this universe. Yeah, David Esquire has mentioned the three laws in interviews, but in a vague way, he said, he said like, well, the three laws might be a thing, but whether or not Damrazel is currently bound by them is the question. So uh, right. it did, seems to did say that. Yeah, it seems to me that if he wants to outright say the three laws don't exist in this world, they he would have just outright said it. Good point. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, right. you've sold me. Oh, and dumb little aside, I like the little jacket that he traded from. <laughs> he traded away his aura for this uh, dumb trash jacket from a hobo. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I, I just, um, it just reminded me of the scene from Zoolander. Garbage. <laughs> Derelict. <laughs> I want one. <laughs> Apple, Apple, sell me one of this trash jacket. Like, it makes sense. He does need a disguise. But at the same time, he's now gone to a place surrounded by people who might want to kill him. And the first thing he does is get rid of his shield. <laughs> he didn't know that. He thought he was just going to a little sexy getaway. Yes, he just really is that naive. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about the adventure of this now immortal, <laughs> invincible hobo. <laughs> we come back in 400 years and he's the emperor. <laughs> well, he has the aura. We couldn't stop him. So I guess we just put him in charge. <laughs> so let's break down this other dawn and their overly complicated terrorist plan. Right. They've altered this dawn and then they've... He smuggled out Cleon's genetic material and cloned a different Dawn. Who will somehow be able to perfectly imitate the broken Dawn, but prove that he's not broken anymore somehow. Yeah, how's that, that gonna work? Like, it's just, it seems like everything that they have planned before this swap is good, but the swap is really done. <laughs> <laughs> like they have already found out that he's different if he goes back and is like i'm not actually different at all i think they're gonna look into it a little bit more buddy especially if you have disappeared for a day yeah really <laughs> it seems really stupid and then this whole azura falling in love thing it seems like it's something you couldn't plan for and the idea that they only make dawn different so he will get scared and run away there's a thousand ways that could have gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't Dusk have just killed him on the spot? Right. You know? Dawn isn't that bright. He could have just fucking died. Seems like a really thin thread to hang this decades-long conspiracy on. Yeah. I 
feel like if you have that much assets already, why not just swap them when they were young? Yeah, really, right? <laughs> that would make a lot more sense. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Everybody got killed. Uh, it was surprised that they didn't capture the other Dawn. Shadow Master Obrecht was still pissed about Brother Dawn's Kamehameha, so he killed the other Dawn in revenge. He probably thought it was the, <laughs> the one that Kamehameha did. <laughs> I did think that was a little weird because just literally 30 seconds earlier, we saw that Dawn take the thing off of his arm and you saw the wounds heal up really fast because of the yeah. nanoparticles. Yep. And then he dies by getting his throat slit. Yeah, maybe the nanobots can't help <laughs> with that much sudden trauma. Or maybe like Shadow Master Obrecht has a special dagger that can do something that prevents that the nanoparticles. seems like an exceedingly bad idea to give your Shadow Master a way to kill you. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes the Cleons are a party to exceedingly bad ideas. So who knows? <laughs> I also like how they needed his magic blood. And also they can't let his heart rate go higher than 120. Otherwise, the nanobots will kick into crisis mode. But what does Azura do? Come out of the bedroom and open fire on him? shooting him, yeah. <laughs> what? What, about his, what about his sweet, sweet magic blood that you need? <laughs> What about his heart rate? And I double checked. I watched this episode twice. And second time, I even rewind a couple of times. I'm like, is it a stun gun? Is there any evidence that it is a stun gun? No, it damages the wall. Yeah, yeah the, the, the chips stop flying off the wall. Yes. Like, And flack, he has to like put his arm up to protect himself yeah. from the flack from the wall. Yeah. I don't know, guys. Some of these things maybe take a second pass at it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Dusk is pissed. Oh yeah, he's very mad. There's that one point where Dawn says something about uh, you should be glad you finally got what you wanted and Dusk immediately retorts, don't you pretend to know what I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also love how when Dawn is like, try empathy and Dusk just laughs in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, who are you talking to? You are different. <laughs> but they did settle that they're just going to wait for Daddy Day to come back and pass judgment on them all. Day coming back is just going to be like that gift from community of uh, try coming back with the pizza at the apartment. Right, right. And everything's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, decades long plot to what? <laughs> I also wanted to ask, do you think these conspirators are in any way related to the Starbridge attack? I don't think they're related to the Starbridge attack. I'm 50-50, honestly. I don't really know. Uh, I don't think these exact people were, but I'm saying that maybe they're yeah just like an offshoot of the same group that tried to do that i guess but, it's I possible mean, and azura really seems to revere the scar in a weird way yeah so well i would too if i live in a permanent block party apparently that's what the sky is just people dancing on the street next to inflatable shit <laughs> i don't know it looked like epcot to me but maybe it's because i'm from florida <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a much milder football riot <laughs> it, it does annoy me that these fucking collecting emperors are just wandering around the streets with their own face and nobody recognizes them <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> this guy's been living there for how old he is i don't know like 17 18 years and nobody's been like you look exactly like the emperor well and when they take down dawn and the other dawn is like hovering over them that's right in the middle of the fucking street nobody is like why does those two people look alike and also look like our galactic emperor <laughs> too busy raving on their future drugs, you know. man the drugs there must be good <laughs> i guess the question become how do you think will brother day react i really am kind of torn on this i don't yeah really and know. i think that's good i think the show had left it in a good place where normally we would have said 
oh, Brother Day is just going to kill Dawn. But his recent experience in the Maiden, especially about the nature of change and stagnancy, right. and maybe the little inception idea that Damrosel has put in his head, the idea that he might not have a soul, do you think that will sway him towards welcoming the a little change in the genetic also, dynasty? Also because he and Dusk are not on good terms. Yes. Yeah. He seems more inclined to just buck whatever Dusk wants to do. But he doesn't seem to like this Dawn either. Like, uh, he did seem to be losing patience with <laughs> honestly how stupid Dawn is sometimes. <laughs> So yeah, it could go anywhere, I guess, which is exciting. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Me too. Um, there's no way it get resolved completely peacefully, right? No, this can't be resolved peacefully. Something has to give. Uh, somebody's going to die. It could be any of the three of them, honestly. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I think they will ask Dawn to kill Azura. Yeah. Like a proof of, uh, you know, he's still a Cleon enough to do what it takes. That may be his test. And whether or not he can do it is a big question. Yeah. There's a reason why they kept Azura alive. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, this is not the first time we see it, but we haven't talked about it before. I like the little very dystopian um, black bags, the, the way their way of restraining the people. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I joke, but it's also clearly a metaphor for getting black bagged in authoritarian yeah, regime. Um there was uh, one scene earlier in the early in the season. I can't remember even who it was who was getting black bagged, but they were screaming when it was being done to them, and it was it was really horrifying and cool. Yeah, yeah but as soon as it happens, it goes quiet, right? So the, right, it must, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's like grabbing a cat by the back of the neck. They just go like limp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool tag. Very horrifying. <laughs> I also liked the uh, that we got to see the dragonfly again. That it was a big part that yeah. Husk had been watching through the dragonfly. That's yep. that was very cool, very clever writing. Yeah, that dragonfly changed size every time we see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, the first time we saw it is this size, but the last time we saw it when it was in the box, it's fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's tiny again. I feel but now it's dead, so. <laughs> I feel the same about the vault as well. Can this show decide on what size things are? And where and it, it is, yeah. <laughs> the vault seems to move. <laughs> the vault is huge this episode. In the very first episode where Selvo walks up to it and almost touch it, it seems a lot smaller. It does, yeah. And also, every time she had to get to it, she would have to take the take a car or something. And this time she just walks to it. <laughs> so, uh, although I guess those kids did walk to it in the first episode, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and in the notes here, you said yes. there's something about the books you want to mention. Oh, yeah. I did want to talk about the books. Maybe that one Reddit post got to me a little more than it should have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will give a big spoiler warning if you if you want to read forward the foundation which is the second prequel it's the one that takes place right before foundation proper but you did show this to me and i already looked at it people who are only watching the show this shouldn't spoil anything to you like none of this is going to happen in the show clearly you'll find out as soon as we say it okay in forward the foundation this is before the founding of the foundation uh selden actually becomes first minister to emperor cleon and uh, this is after Demerzal, who was the first minister, just exits the story. Okay, so anyway, Harry is not very good at politics, but he befriends a gardener named Gruber, and he puts in a good word for Gruber with the emperor, and the emperor makes yep. Gruber the head gardener against yep. his will, because Gruber was just enjoying being a simple gardener. He didn't want to be a bureaucrat. He didn't want to be locked in an office and all that stuff. Meanwhile, 
there is a conspiracy to assassinate Harry and replace him with somebody more friendly to a certain political faction. It's not really important. And Rach is sent in to infiltrate the conspiracy. But this is obviously a really stupid plan because they know everything about Harry. They know exactly what his son looks like. So when he comes in and he's just like shaved his mustache and he says, no, my name is whatever. He has a, a fake name. They know exactly who he is. I'm <laughs> glad to know that the clown shoot moment is also a sent to the books. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to tell this story. <laughs> but they they brainwash him. Rach, they brainwash Rach and they send him back to the palace to be the assassin, to be the one who's going to kill Harry. Um, but then there's a double agent who stops him at the last minute. And then in all the confusion, that gardener, Gruber, actually gets the weapon that Rach was going to use to kill Harry. And he and the emperor, Cleon, are taken away to a safe spot because, you know, craziness is happening. And that's where Gruber, just distressed because his life as a simple gardener is ruined, kills the emperor. Oh, I wanted to bring all that in because I think it's really important to note how many things this show is keeping, but it's really shuffling them around and rearranging things a lot. But the whole spirit of the books is still here. This random conspiracies that are sometimes kind of questionable. The idea of the gardener being an assassin. There's just ideas here that are obviously being shown in the show. That's all. I, I just wanted to get that out. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I guess Gruber was pissed that he couldn't take over the Nakatomi Tower. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that concludes everything we have to say about Trantor. So do you want to take yeah. a quick break? Yeah, let's take a quick break and then we can go to Terminus. All right, and we're back. And let's talk about Terminus. We'll start with me accepting all your congratulations on <laughs> getting the Lewis part right down to a T. You you nailed it, man. That was impressive. <laughs> the only thing you were missing were the wires coming out of his face. <laughs> that was pretty gnarly. That was not. Hey, that's the exact same word I used in my notes. Gnarly. <laughs> Every time we check back in, things to do with Invictus get closer to Event Horizon shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank God well, Selvo didn't plug herself in there, eh? Apparently, the computer finds your neurons by borrowing a wire out of your face and then going <laughs> back into your eyeball. Jesus Christ. It was looking like he was getting assimilated by the Borg or something. <laughs> <laughs> so the Invictus successfully jumped to Terminus. I think using Lewis as a sacrifice, I think that makes the jump satisfactory. Especially with uh, like them reminding that, oh, you made a wish and that he was holding the coin and everything. It's a big coincidence. A little bit USA Martina, but I feel like they set it up enough. If you set it up, it's not a USA Martina. Because there was a comment on Facebook the other day. It's like, they set up this USA Martina. I'm like, it's not a USA Martina if they set it up, is it? A Deus Ex Machina is when it comes out of nowhere. But if yeah. you set it up ahead of time, by definition, it's not a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you said you had a problem with Selva leaving Farah and Rowan on the Invictus? Yeah, I thought that was pretty stupid. And and we don't even see her tie them up. Like, we don't even know she tied them up. She just yes. leaves. Yeah, I thought it was pretty stupid when it seems she just left. But I don't mind her leaving them tied up. What do you think she should have done? I She should have killed them, really. Yeah, she should have just killed them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's not her character. <laughs> 
But also, not only that, she tied up Rowan like right in front of the guns, like still sitting at the gun station. Why That's didn't she true. move him? That's true. <laughs> That's true. Oh, I guess that guy looked pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I find it more funny that Farah freed herself and then didn't free Rowan and just fucked off. <laughs> she didn't care. Rowan, whatever. <laughs> but she clearly like out of sorts, right? Because she didn't take her ceremonial bow and arrows either. Yeah, and and there was a like, throwaway line later that the jump must have caused psychosis, but yeah. we don't really see any evidence of that. Yeah, and she was like, "No, I'm fine." I'm like, "Yeah, she's always like this." <laughs> yeah, she's already psychotic. How do you make somebody more psychotic? <laughs> Oh, I have a I have a theory that I was actually discussing with you on chat about the XO thing on the Invictus. Right. Remember how they offhandedly mentioned this ship has been missing for about 400 years. Right. And 400 years ago was when the Cleon genetic dynasty started. I don't think we can assume ending of whatever series of emperors they have to set up the genetic dynasty was a peaceful transition. My theory is, I wonder if there was a huge galactic war for the throne, which must have happened a couple of times and happened right as Cleon got in. And then that would have made Cleon think up a system like Genetic Dynasty and also get the public to accept it as a solution for, hey, this is way better than having a galactic war every few fucking years over the secession. Well, if you go back to the very first episode, when Harry tells Day to end the Genetic Dynasty, that's when Dusk jumps up, smashes a glass on the ground. He says, the Genetic Dynasty ended the wars. Yes. And brought peace to the galaxy. Um, yes. So, yeah, I think your theory is absolutely sound. I think before Cleon came around, there were all kinds of wars for the throne and it was chaos. Yes. So I wonder if they meant to write Exodus and didn't finish it. And there was a large exodus of forces that say like run away and defected when the Civil War ended and Cleon clearly won, right? That kind of right. things has been uh, in big sci-fi fiction before. A bit more popcorn universe, the Battletech universe. <laughs> there is a giant faction that fucked off when they lost the war. And then thousands of years later, come back from hiding. So I wonder if we can expect a force that ran away 400 years ago, re-enter the story at a later point, perhaps as a reinforcement to a fledgling alliance between three spunky little underdog <laughs> planets? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? I just want them to get more starship because one's not enough. They're going to nuke them. <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard for me to, to comment because this whole time I've just had Bob Marley stuck in my head. It's Exodus movement of Ja people. <laughs> all right. Not helpful at all. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be of service. <laughs> Can we briefly talk about the names on this show? I find them oh, sure. very funny because uh, Invictus, meaning unconquerable, undefeatable, <laughs> is a derelict ship. <laughs> and that is actually the most subtle of all of the ships. <laughs> like, they clearly went with irony for a lot of the naming schemes in the show. I'm talking about the writer. I'm not talking about the in-fiction people at this moment because they also named the ship that blew up the Aegis, which is the 
right? <laughs> in case that <laughs> listeners don't know, it's the impenetrable shield that Zeus has. <laughs> and that shit blew the fuck up. I know that there's going to be some readers who say it, so I just got to mention it. One of the emperors in the books is called Aegis. Anyway, okay. moving on. <laughs> oh, but, okay, so the ship is maybe implied to maybe named after him. But it's still pretty funny. That It's still it's funny, but I'm just saying there, there, there might be a way to excuse it if you, <laughs> if you try hard enough. <laughs> and I know I'm crazy thinking too hard about this thing, but Terminus make me laugh every time I think about it. Because... <laughs> That place is already called Terminus even before Harry went there. Because when they got exiled, they were like, we're sending you to Terminus. So Harry didn't (laughs) name it. The Foundation people didn't name it. Which means somebody came to this planet and be like, well, this is the fucking end. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Right? This is clearly the work of a frontier person who is just headed up to here with this shit. He's like, everywhere I go, it's desert fucking planets. I'm not (laughs) going any further this is terminus this is the end you're not paying me enough for this shit (laughs) (laughs) i will say the writers did do one thing right they uh in the book the other kingdom that's vying for control of terminus with anacreon is called smyrno so they renamed that so i'm glad they did that (laughs) that's good uh, also, uh, when Ghost of Mathematician Pass come out of the vault, he referred to the Terminus people as Terminite. Termini, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I would have gone with termites. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like they couldn't call the people from Thespis thespians. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh, when I when I lived in Florida, I had a bunch of friends who lived in Tampa Bay, which is a city in Florida, and we called them tampons. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's where Tom Brady is at now. You can't insult him anymore. Okay, <laughs> I can always insult Tom Brady. <laughs> in a lot of ways, he is the galactic emperor of NFL. <laughs> Well, um, let's talk about the null field and the vault. That went from zero to 100 really quickly, huh? I really don't understand the null field. I don't get it, like, at all. And last episode, they were like, let's evacuate the settlement. This episode, that's not what they did. They all walked towards the vault. Right? Yeah, and I don't think it would have mattered anyway, because from orbit, they find out that it's basically covered the entire planet. Yes, <laughs> but still, like, they want, like, passed out in the process of evacuating. A bunch of people are passed out in the settlement, and then a bunch of people have clearly walked towards the vault. Yeah, especially Salvar's mom, who almost made it, and she's holding yeah. the Prime well, Radiant, yeah. I understand Salvar's mom, but she's clearly think like, oh, maybe the Prime Radiant might have something to do with it. Like, she's there to solve it. But, like, also, you brought a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I joke in my recap, but being passed out for a long period of time is really fucking bad for your brain. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's really bad. But, you know, it's a TV show and TV shows like, you know, people get knocked out with guns all the time, like hitting them in the head. That's yeah. really bad for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to quote Archer. Yeah, that's. That can't be good for you. You should see a doctor. <laughs> Once again, we're right about when we talked about how they will probably flash back to the open your fist moment. Oh, yep, they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> but 
at a really dumb time because it was it was really stupid like and i'm like i really wanted that it... to have a better payoff than i that. know right <laughs> like i thought she would threaten Farah, but somehow find a non-violent solution and that's when she'll hear the open uh, your fists yeah that would have made a lot more sense yeah but they flash back to it when she was holding the prime radiant with a close <laughs> fit. I'm like, that's not what he meant. So <laughs> You're misreading the metaphor. <laughs> You're not even realizing it's a metaphor. <laughs> I have problems with that too, because there, it, this is throughout the episode. It wasn't just this one scene. I feel like there was a little too much handholding going on. Like earlier when Dawn was trying to escape the palace, they had to repeat Azura's dialogue about how to get out of the, the palace, how to go through the, the wreckage of the old palace and all that stuff, even though that line had only been like five minutes earlier yeah. in the episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, that kind of annoyed me. It kind of felt like they weren't trusting the audience enough. I really like this episode, but a lot of the things that happened in Terminus in the back end really annoyed me, which we'll get to. But speaking of that holding hand and flashback things, can Selvo see Gay's memory? I don't know. It's really weird. Like now that we know that Harry is responsible for the null field in some respect, I was thinking maybe it's part of Harry's consciousness. And like when you were seeing flashes of Rach as a, as a boy, yes. that she was seeing Harry's memory. And that would yes. make sense with yeah, what we that's know. That's what I always assume. But now she's seeing Gail's memories and she saw Gail's memories earlier too, when she saw Harry's death. Those yeah. obviously weren't Harry's memories. Yeah. I mean, Harry was dying then. It could he have was still in the Harry. room, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in this episode, she clearly see a memory of Gail when she was alone. Yeah. Alone in the apartment, trying to playing with the prime radiant. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening. Is <laughs> Are they applying the idea of genetic memory very, very loosely? <laughs> God, I hope not. We're not going to go down Assassin's Creed Road here, are we? <laughs> if um, Selvo starts strapping knives to her hands, then we have to worry about it. I don't know. That might be worth it, actually. <laughs> uh, the internet would go mad and everybody would be yelling, violence is a, a refuge of the incompetent. Anyway, <laughs> um, I do want to back up just a little bit. Go back to when salvor went on to the the beggar i was impressed that it feels like space and yeah. it was more than just her flight to the raven which was cool but we saw that before when they went on the invictus but also i noticed this time when she goes aboard the beggar that there's cushioned things attached to the walls and the the walls are padded and the ceiling is padded and it really looks and feels like an actual spaceship, like we could build today, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, it lent it a, a sense of authenticity that I feel like the show sometimes lacks. I agree with that. I love all the ship's design in this show. Uh, as a person who built model kits, I wish they would make model kits of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I love the ship designs. They're yeah. very cool looking. I love how the bagger is just a giant brick. I don't know how that thing <laughs> make atmospheric fly uh, because it, it looks was... more like an escape pod than anything else. Yeah. Like yeah. the escape pod from Alien 3. It looked like a lunchbox. <laughs> well, it's an empty lunchbox, so it, that's why it's called the beggar. <laughs> Somebody check on Hugo's self-esteem that he named his ship the beggar. <laughs> 
Also, when he left and he told Salver that he loved her, according to the captions, which I watch because I'm deaf, she mouths back, me too. <laughs> which is honestly like, it's almost as bad as saying, I know, because me too, I love myself, of course. <laughs> it's bad grammar. David Guaya did comment that some of the episodes will touch upon the me too movement. So maybe that's... <laughs> I'm sorry for that terrible joke. <laughs> But you're right. It's a dumb thing to say when somebody like yeah. Clearly, she meant like I love you too, right? But that's not right, what right. that means. But that's not what that <laughs> <just> bad. <laughs> Did you thought like that scene was so emotional? I thought Hugo was gonna die. I thought that was a big death flag. But they reunite not even an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> Like in story, not even an hour later. <laughs> in runtime, like five minutes later. <laughs> no, I didn't really get that sense. It didn't feel like a goodbye to me. Like, like a death goodbye. I guess. But it was like very like long drawn out, like, I'll be back. <laughs> Don't let go, Rose. <laughs> but can we talk about the thing I hated about this episode, which is that dumb standoff between the Anacreon that that's been and all the Terminus people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on this one. I'm with you. This was this was bad. Can these people with guns just take a shot when they need to? Like surely. I thought when the fucking thespians thespian thespian ships landed, I thought the Anacreons are just gonna open fire, which they should. Like they have yeah. to file down those little ramps. They should open fire. And if they did, they wouldn't be able to use the ship to hold them hostage. The same thing when Farah arrives. Once she again, shoots at this giant crowd of people, but misses? Yes, <laughs> but she nailed those um, ships, which is fair enough. I guess they're in like, defensive hover mode. But right. when she comes down the ramp, once again, shoot her. Shoot her. <laughs> <laughs> There's also multiple moments in which a whole group of people drop their guns and pick them back up. Like yeah. Both Anacreons and Thespians <laughs> done that. <laughs> and I'm like, do the other group who had guns trained on them, don't let them pick them back up. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know for the story's sake, this have to happen. I'm not saying I wanted a bigger fight. I'm just saying how it plays out. It was kind of comical. <laughs> How it plays out, make them all look like fucking clown shoe morons. <laughs> it's all like in a row, not a shotgun fired. Only Selvor does anything useful. So when Farah actually started opening fire on the vault, the Thespian commander is like, take aim. I'm like, why? You're not going to fucking shoot. <laughs> None of you shoot. <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> Selvo has to take the shot. And um, can we talk about how Salver is good with a bow and arrow? Yes. Like, I'm someone who has done archery. It's not that easy. Yeah, yeah same. I've done archery as well. It's not that easy. And I, I'm I not get what they were going for. They wanted the irony of her shot by her own bow and everything. But still, yeah. just from a logistical point of view, yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> They could have. They could have at least have it hit her center mass. Right. <laughs> a neck is a much smaller target. Or maybe he was aiming for her chest. <laughs> yeah, maybe she was aiming somewhere else. Maybe she was aiming for her leg or something. She didn't seem like she wanted to kill her. No, no. She did. She did say, "I'm glad that you're alive, Farah." Truly. I'm really. Like, really. <laughs> I'm like why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all she wants to do is kill the universe, right? <laughs> 
Like, she's the party pooper, and the party is <laughs> life. <laughs> I'm a bit torn. I'm glad Farrah's gone because she was kind of annoying and a Disney villain. But also, her <laughs> death was kind of unsatisfying. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I didn't. I w- I wanted the other guy, uh, uh, Rowan. I wanted him to kill her, not Salvor. Yeah, he did confront her, but he didn't actually pull the trigger. And I feel yeah. like he should have. Yeah, that's true. And like the big climatic thing happens because she was opening fire on the vault, which I'm like, who cares? That thing's shielded quite clearly. <laughs> she was clearly just at just shooting something out of rage. Like this <laughs> thing is getting in the way of what I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. she's a Disney villain. <laughs> yeah. I just think it would have been a better moment if she was uh, threatening to kill Hugo or her mom and Selva had no choice but to shoot. Because right. now she it feels sense. like Selva's like, hey, don't touch my stuff! Arrow through the throat. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly the vault could take it. Yeah. It, was, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the moment where the vault opens and the mother's like, is that a doorway? And Selva's like, yes. I'm like, is it really? It looked like a lens flare. <laughs> doorway to what? What? Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't even look like a doorway. <laughs> yeah. Like, is there miniature human-sized wormholes in this universe? <laughs> what do you think about this big reveal? Hairy thing. Okay. This is a weight off my my back because now I can finally talk about the vault. Uh, in the books, Harry was always in the vault. It wasn't exactly the same because it was it was a recording of Harry. It was like a hologram. Um, okay. But and and they they knew about it from the very beginning. They knew what was in the vault from the very beginning. And in the books, they even Salver even calls it out and says, "Look, you guys, you want you want to wait until you you see what Harry has to say before you act on this crisis." Yeah, you think that Harry's going to be this Deus Ex Machina who's going to fix everything, and that's not how it's going to work. If he could see what the problem is, he can't give us any wisdom we don't already have. Yeah. Um, and and I think that the show doesn't quite make the same point, but it is using the same idea. Harry's not a Deus Ex Machina; he's just there to explain after the crisis has been resolved, and the crisis is getting resolved pretty much the same way it did in the books. It's a slightly different but the, the idea is the same okay so i actually called that about the three planets getting together in like the first episode after watching oh yeah you called episode. it a long time ago yeah yeah <laughs> and i had to say huh that's an interesting theory <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's a good ending i would have been annoyed if it get resolved any other way right yeah me too yeah yeah but at the same time you guys are gonna timeshare this uh big ship are you <laughs> is that is that your plan? <laughs> you think this this big ship's gonna stop the emperor to, from nuking you all again? <laughs> In fact, without giving away too much, the <laughs> the big ship is a big part of the second crisis. Fair enough. Uh, did they stop Invictus from jumping away again? It, the episode I wasn't very clear. I assume so, but they never say it. Yeah. yeah. I watched the episode twice and I thought they must have left it Invictus because they stopped it from jumping. But Hugo just says something like, oh, I thought you might need me down here. <laughs> and like, good instincts, I guess. But also, she told you to do a job. You had one job. <laughs> yeah, they don't They don't say that they've stopped the ship from jumping. Instead, they just like get in their ships and fuck off, you know? And I don't get that. <laughs> he says, let everybody go down to the planet now. But what about the Invictus? Is anybody on board the Invictus now? Well... This alliance thing, like I said, I like it, but I think this pretty much also confirmed my theory, which I didn't even realize was a theory. I thought the show has already said that, but I'm rewatching the past episode. They haven't. I just made all the connections in my head, I guess. Is that. You mean you can feel the future? 
Well, yeah, I can feel the future. Uh, if only I can feel the winning lottery numbers. Um, <laughs> or Demersal. <laughs> anyway, back to my theory. Which is that the foundation is supposed to be the next empire, right? Right, yeah. Because the show only said that these people are supposed to start the foundation and make the encyclopedia. Um, they kind of brush over it. They don't go into detail. But I always just assume because whatever bring about the downfall, unless it's like some sort of cosmic fucking radiation, it's not going to like kill everybody. It's just going to be a massive crisis. So the people who are with the foundation, the people who are building the encyclopedia, they're not going to suddenly die off. So they are the people who are best suited to rebuild, right? Right, they're not just right. making a book. They're making a database which they're going to use to rebuild, right? But the show never said it. The show never said that. If they're going to say something like that, they're, they're going to say in the next episode, Harry's going to say that. Because also, like, from the storytelling perspective, it's not about a group of people who wrote an encyclopedia and then died off. It's going to be about <laughs> the people who used that encyclopedia to rebuild society. And obviously, the downfall and the rebuild isn't going to be happening one after the other. It's obviously going to become simultaneously it's the empire will fall and decline as this little scrappy alliance will get bigger and bigger and bigger hence my theory about is there potentially another force another army that is out there in the wild after a giant exodus that might come back and help them up maybe i mean there are there are other factions that pop up over the course of the books but Nothing specifically like you outlined, but it's possible. We also have to get more from the spaces. So at some point, they have to factor more into the story. We know almost nothing about them. All we know is that they're genetically modified yeah. or engineered. That's pretty much it. <laughs> but could they also be a faction? Like if currently job technology is not possible without them or like would be greatly inconvenienced without them, surely... Those people should fucking unionize is all I'm saying. <laughs> Surely they have a lot of bargaining powers. Surely they should band together and exercise some of those powers. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the world unite. Spacers of the world unite. <laughs> you were saying the Empire is going to fall at the same time as Terminus is rising. Harry did say in the beginning that it would take 500 years for the Empire to truly fall. So that, I mean, we're only... 30 years into that. So yeah. we still have 470 years to go before the Empire completely collapses. Yes. Which bring us to, there got to be another big time job coming, right? Which this might feel a little bit like a spoiler for some people, but when you finish the episode on Apple Plus, the picture <laughs> teaser for the next episode is right there. So I presume almost everybody saw it unless they were very quick in turning off the TV. The picture have Gale on Cynics. Right. So Unless she went through some sort of wormhole and got sped up, there has to be another time jump, another 138 years, right? And that's a pretty big time jump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Surely they're going to show the future simultaneously as the present we are now. Surely we're not going to just move on from Selvor now. I feel like this no, is... No, we can't be done with Salvor. We're, yeah. we're just now finishing Salvor Begins. We haven't gotten to, yeah. you know, the Salvor night. Yeah. So. <laughs> She has to come back next season, I imagine, yeah. as well. Not just next I, I definitely think so. I think we need to see Salvor as an older, wiser person. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I imagine just like the show did in the very beginning, I imagine next season we're going to get simultaneous timelines, past and future. Yeah, and I hope so. I hope we do that. Although it might give me some lost flashbacks, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as they're not flashing forward to potential futures, we'll be fine. As long or as they're sideways not to the flash sideways. Yeah. I will never forgive the coining of the phrase flash sideways. <laughs> Call it what you want, which is bad writing. <laughs> Try to have your cake and eat it too. This didn't happen, <sighs> but what if it did? Well, I, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> what if we give you three storylines and maybe you like one of them okay um, man this isn't the lost podcast although i could easily make it <laughs> um this brings me to my big theory about gail which is repackaging and reiterating a theory i had since episode one about gail being the sleeper in the cynics religion right right we discussed right. whether or not it's just a little metaphor to show that isn't it ironic that the prophecies of our religion actually parallel her journey and we're like oh god i hope they don't literally does it no no i think it's going to work out that she comes back to cynics yep. and they treat her like yes. the sleeper yes. she doesn't believe it but yes that's yeah that's yeah. what i think is that where you're like, going? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm glad we're on the same page because I don't think she'll suddenly become like a godlike person. Like she have the powers they already described to her. But what I'm saying is I think she'll start another cult. Like there will be another faction. They might combine it as the second foundation, depending on what she does with the knife, because she would still have a copy of Harry if she somehow find specialized knife socket that she can put it in. Right. <laughs> But I think it's more likely that she will herald in another faction, which is a group of people that worship her as a messiah kind of thing. Because if she get back there and they find out that she's somebody who's been gone hundreds of years, and even before she was gone, she was chased out of the planet for predictions that came true. And because she's smart enough, if she come up with solution, hey, cults have been sprung up for less. That's true. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's a good one. That, that, that's a good theory. And... It's in, it's it's totally on brand for foundation. People yeah. being treated like messiahs is something that does happen. <laughs> yeah, which brings me back to that fucking statue. I said in the first episode, maybe it will be Gale, and I'm sticking by that. Maybe that's Gale. There does seem to be more evidence of that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in that shot with the pyramids and the people who are clearly standing on ground, that statue is clearly not on cynics. But this cult could spread. To oh, other totally. Planets. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Doesn't have to be on Synex. Yeah. But I did want to talk about Gail's voiceover <laughs> because it was bad. <laughs> yes. There were there were a couple of parts of it I did like. There was one line where she's talking about how this is my story so I can tell it however I want. And first of all, that's very meta. That's that's almost like David S. Goyer defending himself. <laughs> I can subtract whatever I want and add whatever I want. And also, she uses those terms subtracted and which parts have been added. Yes. And I thought that was kind of, that's clever. It's clever dialogue because it's language of math. It's clever um, dialogue, but I dislike that because I'm like, oh God. Especially because of what I said last episode about showing us flashbacks to things that didn't happen right. like that. So I'm like, oh God, like, are they going to come back later and be like, actually, in this scene, Gail was there. She just didn't tell us about it. I don't want that. <laughs> no, no, I don't want this to be a whole, the whole thing is an unreliable narrator. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> like that's not it's this is not that kind of story. Yeah. And anyway, immediately after she says that, she says the line, and I had to write this down because it is so asinine. Used correctly, the past can alter the present. What other invention can do that? Every invention? Anything. Anything. <laughs> any, anything you do alter the present. Yeah. That's, that's such a, a That's dumb how the present line. works. She's trying to make some connection between what she started with asking what's the greatest invention ever and this idea of 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 history being a, an important way of molding the future and she just she just it's so ham-fisted and dumb. <laughs> you know, this is a deep cut but every time I laugh at her narration it reminds me of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball the movie <laughs> narration in the beginning where it's like and then on that day, I've learned that you can't run away from your own shoes. <laughs> in that movie, it's a joke and it's hilarious. But some of the quality of this narration is like that. <laughs> well, at least they don't have any machines named the Flids and the Vicar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this episode of VoiceOver is not the worst it has ever been. Oh no, don't get me wrong. It's not the worst voiceover. <laughs> I mean, it's bad, but it's it's been worse. <laughs> Um, it also seems to me that whenever she's voicing over on the Trantor stuff, it's more vague. Like she's just saying random shit and yeah. then it just match up with kind of what's going on. Like she's kind of like giving us morals or metaphors about what's happening on the screen. But when she's talking about stuff on Terminus, she seemed to be more specific. She sometimes seemed to be commenting specifically on the events that are happening. Yeah, and you definitely get the sense that she knows a lot about Terminus. If from the very first episode, she said Terminus becomes her story. And yes. It becomes the only story or something. Yeah. Um, I think she definitely knows more about the history of Terminus than she does of what's happening on Trantor. Yeah, my theory, maybe she wake up in cynics and maybe she start this cult. She don't, whatever. These two theories can work together independently. But 138 years later, right? Maybe the alliance is a lot bigger. Maybe like we see the beginning of a fledgling empire and the present and the future will tell us parallel how it came to be. Hmm, maybe. I don't I don't dislike that idea. I still have my own theory about who's under the the veil on that statue that I can't really talk about because it's a big spoiler, so. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Yeah. Can I say a name? I don't know anything about this except vague things I keep seeing when people try and skirt around spoilers rules in fan groups. Is it the mule? <laughs> People always talking about the mule. I uh, I will neither confirm nor deny that. One <laughs> <laughs> of people say the mule. I just think of donkey from Shrek. The thing is, 138 years later, you're you're looking at about 160 years after the founding of the foundation. That's a very specific timeline for the book, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, she does talk. She does name drop a couple of people in the very first episode, and one yeah, of them she, is the she mule. mentions Salver Harden, Hober Mallow, and the Mule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And those uh, are three very, very important characters. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've met one. Maybe we'll meet one or two more of that in this final episode. Maybe. Um. One thing we keep talking about off podcast, and uh, <laughs> always forget to mention on the podcast, the music in this show is pretty fucking good. Hey. Yeah, I, I love the music in the show. It's It's got a really good ethereal, but also kind of uh, inspirational feel. I don't know how to describe it, but I really like it. I'm not good at describing music. If you watch my YouTube videos, I usually give it like a sentence or two, but I really enjoy the music in the show. And I thought in this episode, it was in particular, uh, this episode was really good. Sound, sound good. Yay. 
<laughs> basically <laughs> but yeah uh, especially in the scene where dawn is running away the music built really good tension even yeah. though he was hiding behind like a very thin plank of wood about three <laughs> feet away from a guard but i guess there's no fucking peripheral vision in those masks <laughs> <laughs> which look like muzzles <laughs> The designers had to do a really good job of coming up with something that covered their whole head, but didn't make them look like stormtroopers, you know? Yes. It's yeah. challenging. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, that brings us to what we expect from the finale. What do you want and what do you think will happen? I think we covered most of generally already. Yeah, and I do, I do, I do want to say again, I, I'm, we're pretty sure we're going to see Synex. We're pretty sure we're going to see a time jump. And I do hope we get a big tease of the next season, like what we're looking at in 138 years, like what is going on in the universe at that time. But I also want more of what's happening on Terminus. I, I want to see what Harry has to say. Like this, huh? if this is Harry's quantum consciousness or if this is some weird hologram, I don't know. I want him to have a little bit more explanation. Yeah. I mean, they have to explain that sky beam that the vault sent out right before they sent out <laughs> Harry's hologram. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's a special effects heavy show. Of course, there's a sky beam. You, you have to. It's on the checklist. It's collected <laughs> Wi-Fi connection. Um, I don't know. I didn't get sky beam out of it. Actually, it, it looked more like just like a little stamen of a of a flower or something to me. But I have to watch it again, I guess. <laughs> but what else? I I want to see. I want to see more Demersal. I really want to see some hints as to what's going on with Demersal and what she's doing. I want to, I want to be able to confirm that there's more going on with Demersal than we realize. Yeah, she's responsible for the dawn thing. I bet. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, for sure. Do you think when Brother Day find out Demersal will be in danger? I mean, that makes sense, right? She's probably not going to die. No, I think if it, oh, yeah. if it comes down to a confrontation between Day and Demersal, Demersal will live and Day will die. <laughs> yeah, well, other than the rules. If you're right about the way the, 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 the rules are playing out, yeah. Yeah. I still think if there, if there is a confrontation, then Demersal is going to disappear. She's going to leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if she changed her, her face. I wonder if yeah, she exactly. Her, yeah. I'm really curious as to whether or not she can, because we've seen her replace pieces of skin and stuff. I don't see why she can't change her face. Yeah. What if we take her face off? <laughs> I'm doing the hand motions. <laughs> yeah, this is an audio it. medium, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a very good Nicolas Cage impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess on, on Terminus, <laughs> is the rest of the scenes just going to be a treaty? <laughs> because <laughs> this crisis is more or less over. All you need is like a conversation and a debriefing. <laughs> What I think we'll see is I think we'll see, like, we'll have Harry start to explain things and then we'll get a montage over his talk of them coming to terms, like getting on the Invictus together and yeah. learning to work together and all that kind of stuff. And that's how that'll play out, I think. And that'll just be the beginning of the episode and that'll be the end of that ep that, that storyline. And then we'll go yeah. deal with what's going on with Dusk Day and Dawn and Demersal. Yeah. Let there be peace between Space Australia and Space New Zealand. <laughs> yes even though i still think they're the same <laughs> <laughs> um and obviously now that the potential alliance between anacreon Despin, and termini has a literal weapon of mass destruction 9-11 metaphor that is obvious since episode one <laughs> probably means that they will 
be at war with the empire. <laughs> I keep thinking like there is no way the empire would let this alliance prosper, and there is nothing this alliance can do to stop them. So there has to be something. There have to be some sort of political maneuvering, some sort of um, checkmate that stop the <laughs> brother day to just showing up with. 50 fucking ships and yuking everything again. In the books, I, I said it again, um, <laughs> before Anacreon attacks, the they actually form a treaty with the, uh, with the Empire um, to basically so that the Empire, the Empire can't do anything about Anacreon attacking uh, and the Empire doesn't even really care about Terminus anymore. And I feel like that's kind of how it's going to play out, that the Empire just doesn't give a shit about the Outer Rim. I think um, they should. They should. And especially if they get word about the Invictus, I think they should definitely get involved. Yeah. But I think they're not going to interfere too much this early on. I think the confrontation between Foundation and Empire is going to be reserved for later. You got to give us a satisfying re- reason then because they sent in a ship to investigate which got blown the hell up by Anacreons and then suddenly the people are like, never mind, we found an alliance. Sorry, they blew up your ship and also we found an old planet killer warship. It's ours now. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, you're not wrong uh, and Cleon <laughs> is definitely not the kind of guy who's going to let that thing s- just let it slide. Yeah. Even if <laughs> He's they a man don't of rash know action. They need to send more people to investigate. The only way that I can see without some unknown political maneuvering that we can't foresee or guess is if they somehow successfully hide the fact that they formed the alliance and they have the Invictus before whatever next ship Brother Day will send out to investigate. Because they will definitely send out a ship to investigate. It would be so dumb not to. Our previous ship disappeared. (laughs) No, I I do agree. They got to send somebody. I'm not entirely sure how that's going to play out because, like I said in the books, the Empire just stops caring at this point. But I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how that could play out. I got to think about it. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm very excited about the next episode. And I'm very satisfied. We have both said it before. When we predict things and it comes true, it's not disappointing unless... And that's our previous prediction was still like, it's going to be stupid if that happens. Like, <laughs> if we can guess it, it means that the show is seeding enough things throughout the narrative to actually justify events happening. So it's satisfying. Yeah, it's like a, like it's like a really good murder mystery. If you can, if you can actually predict who's going to be, who done, who done it before the reveal, it's very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, you can tell that I didn't like all of, this episode but i really loved it overall i just didn't like the fucking standoff that just like <laughs> just put banny hill music to that and it's <laughs> it fits <laughs> i i feel like i gave this episode a ton of shit but honestly it might be one of my favorite episodes of the season if i'm honest i really enjoyed it i think the first two is re- still really really strong but it's one of my favorite episodes definitely like I said, yeah, I, only I, one complaint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had some complaints, but again, nitpicks. I nitpick what I love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess we're going to call this for this episode. Kind of sad to see this show go. And I was more sad before we decided to continue on this tradition. But now we look forward to talking to you guys again for the last episode of Cracking Foundation before we evolve into a new wonderful butterfly.
before we start a second foundation. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm starting to get weird. Silence the lambs vibes from you. <laughs> You're in another country. I can't beat you. <laughs> All right, guys. That's it from us for this week. And as always, respect and enjoy the peace. Peace out.